Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Now, in our last week, we said we'd be back mid-December, but a lot of things happened in the NRL. A lot of players moved clubs, and we need to break this thing down. I think this has been one of the most active free agency classes that I can remember in quite a long time. A lot to delve into. I think a lot of it's going to have big implications for our Supercoach sides moving forward. As always, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Brew. How are we going, mate? I'm excellent, Josh. Uh, happy to be back. I know it's uh, a little bit sooner than what we mentioned, but what can we say? We love discussing Supercoach, so let's get on with it. And the feedback to last week's episode was uh, really positive, so really happy to see that the new launch has gone down uh, a success, which is always nice when you launch new things, and obviously good for you as well that the the people have got around you, and it's, it's been really nice for me to have someone to bounce off, and a lot of people, uh, yeah, really like that. A bit of housekeeping out of the way. If you're listening on Apple, uh, our five-star review, uh, leave some feedback would be fantastic. Uh, gets the show a long way. Helps spread the the dual position message out a little bit further. If you are watching on YouTube, uh, thanks for tuning in last week. We're back once again. Uh, so like, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, whatever the influencers tell you to do these days, do it for us too. If you're listening on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Amazon, wherever you else get your podcast from, just keep listening. That's all we can ask you to do. Mate, there has been a lot happening and no much, no better place to start off with than the Brisbane Broncos. Now, in their top 30 roster, they have one spot opened, but they have made quite a few off-season moves. The ones that will will, will take off out of the way, Billy Walters, uh, Jordan Pierre, and Branko Lee. I think these are all good depth signings. Not too sure the ramifications they have on the Supercoach landscape, but there's three big ones we'll talk about. We'll start with Ryan James. No doubt about it that we've seen his better days behind him. Ricky Stewart didn't use him well last year, but when he did use him effectively, uh, there was quite a fair bit to, to like about him. He can find the line, and I think he'll be really good for the players in the in sort of Monday to Friday rather than just game day. Uh, but Supercoach Classic, he's probably going to have to see 35, 40 minutes off the bench to be really relevant again in 2022. Yeah, I don't really think he's going to be much of a Supercoach factor this year. I think he'll do wonderful things for Brisbane as a club. Uh, I think his maturity as a leader will help their young forwards. Um, but as a Supercoach player, I just don't expect him to be starting. And if he's not starting and he's coming off the bench, I just don't think he'll be a factor this season for us. Now, another one who won't be a factor for me at all unless he gets the dual position eligibility is Kurt Catewell. Unless he's getting that center wing spot next to his name, I just don't think he has the output to be that consistent guy that we can start in our second row. We saw glimpses last year where he had bases of over 60, but we also saw games where he had bases under 30. So a little bit too hard for us to judge. If he gets that center wing spot, it makes it a lot easier. But I don't think he will this year, unfortunately. No, I don't see it happening this year. I don't think they have plans for him to play in the centre, whereas obviously it did happen from time to time uh, at Penrith. Um, 
he's a very serviceable forward, but I don't think he's elite. Um, so unless he was really cheap uh, next year, I don't see him being an early season option. Now, the big one for the Broncos, look, he was no star at South Sydney when it comes to Supercoach. I don't really think he'll be a star at the at the Broncos when it comes to Supercoach. He'll be a fantastic play for them. He's the seven that they've been crying out for for a couple of years. He'll be really stable for them. But for Supercoach, in a much better side at South Sydney, he wasn't, I would say, top three. And I don't think he's going to be that this year in Adam Reynolds at the Broncos. Um, I think he might be a good plug-and-play option uh, if we are a bit short uh, at the start of the season in the halves. Um, being in a worse side might be better for Adam Reynolds, um, which kind of sounds silly to say, but there were so many people that could score points in South. He didn't need to do it all. There's probably less of that at Brisbane. He will need to be much more of the ringmaster. Um, so there could be an opportunity for him to get a solid enough average to be a nice plug and play for a little while uh, to start the season. Uh, they don't play the first buy, so you wouldn't have him for a long time, but they do have a healthy draw for the first month. Uh, and then probably for about six weeks leading into the buy as well. So that. There's definitely a world where you could start with Reynolds, um, but I don't think he's going to be that elite 65-plus average option. Especially if Cleary comes back earlier than what anticipated. He comes back a little bit banged up. He might drop a few points and drop some some coin. He could be a good enabler to get you to Cleary on the cheap, but still plenty of time out. Uh, I know that when we get to Penrith, you've got a little bit of, of word on Cleary, and we'll touch on that in due course. For the Raiders, uh, they've got one spot open in their top 30, you and I are the furthest thing from health professionals, and we're not giving COVID vaccine advice at all. But unfortunately, in the modern NRL, there is players that, that won't be vaccinated, which uh, is perfectly fine for, for their beliefs and, and whatnot. But uh, that is Josh Papali'i and Joe Tarpany from all reports. It's going to have a little bit of implication for them moving forward if they decide not to get jabbed. I know that uh, I think Queensland are putting restrictions on non-vaccinated players, as with Melbourne, and I'm pretty sure you can't fly overseas to New Zealand. So that would keep them sort of in that ACT and Sydney bubble, that might open up a spot for for one of the new recruits in Adam Elliott. Uh, look, he was putting up some okay scores at the Bulldogs last year in a pretty dismal side. If Ricky Stewart asks him to play eighty, uh, I know he play he asks his edge back rowers to play big minutes. Uh, Elliott Whitehead, John Bateman, when he was there, they were playing big minutes. So, if Adam Elliott can be on that that edge and play big minutes, he could be uh, he could be a go. But, but we know Ricky Stewart; it's hard to trust him with his forwards. Yeah. It's- very hard to trust him with his forwards after what he's done to us in the last couple of seasons. Um, look, if Elliot was playing 80 or close to it, he might, might be an option. He'll probably start the season quite cheap. Um, but I just, that trust factor with Canberra and the unknown as well. What if the boys end up getting jabbed because they don't want to miss football? All things that we can't really comment on. So I won't. Um, there's a lot of variables there. I'll probably avoid Canberra players to start, I think. Yeah, it's it's hard. And I think Canberra looking for a big bounce back here. Obviously disappointing last year. They've made a, a big acquisition in the halves in Jamal Fogarty. Now, if, if Elliot's running off Fogarty, uh, could be ideal for him to hit some holes. He did he did that well last year uh, as well. But Jamal Fogarty, I, I don't think I don't see him being as um, as much of a game broker as he was at the Titans. He had times there where he'd put up three or four try assists to try himself and, and put up a hundred. But he also had times where he would score less than twenty. I think it's just too high, and the peaks and valleys are just too much when we can pick someone like a Cleary for double the price, but know what we're going to get. Yeah, it'll really come down to whether or not Cleary starts the season um, and who's who's available at what price. He, he might be in the similar vein to Reynolds that you could plug and play him for a little while, um, but I don't think he's going to be your gun half for the season down in Canberra. 
And the other acquisition that the Raiders have made is Peter Holler. For the right price, he could be very similar to Ryan James's output last year. I was keen on Peter Holler this year, but who knows what's going to happen moving forward with him. The Bulldogs aside, who have probably made some of the biggest off-season moves, they have zero spots left in their top 30, uh, but they have a lot to, to sort of bring in. We'll, we'll go with the, the, the lesser names. Uh, we've got uh, King, uh, we've got Josh Cook, We've got Braden Burns all coming in. John Asiata as well, but he's been pretty vocal about not being vaccinated, similar to Tarpany and Papali'i. Uh, but the big ones here, mate, TPJ, Paul Vaughan, uh, Brett Naden, and Matt Burton, and Addo Carver, so we can't forget those guys. Look, we'll, we'll kick off with the backs in, in Brett Naden. He's probably fighting with, I wouldn't say Aaron Shop. I think Aaron Shop's got one of those held down, but Will Hopawade exits the club, which would probably see an opening for Brett Naden, you'd think. Yeah, Naden will play on the right side. Um, and I think he probably can get a starting spot there. Um, and I think he's actually a good player. If he's got his head in the game um, and not, in, not on the lines, uh, he might he might be a very good option for them to start the season. Um, Braden Burns is the interesting one. Um, he could do big things playing outside Burton um, and inside... At Ocar, um, but I'm not sure if he gets that spot. Uh, Shot played pretty well last year. Um, I think he probably earned the spot. So it'd be interesting to see what happens throughout the trials because I think it'll be one of those two starting in the fall. Yeah, with with Naden, you'd think. But yeah, I like Aaron Shot. We touched on him in last week's podcast. I think he's done enough to to hold his spot. Now, Matt Dufty, you would you assume slots straight into fullback with the departure yep. of Nick Amini. Um, so, yeah, Matt Dufty, I don't think any questions about that. Paul Vaughan. I really like Paul Vaughan. I think Paul Vaughan's got a lot to prove. Uh, obviously, things went down at the Dragons. Not ideal, which is not, I guess, what we want to see from, from him. But I think there's a, a point to prove from him. I think he'll be a good leader in this forward pack. They're going to need that experience with Adam Elliott departing to the Raiders, as we've just touched on. And uh, there's a bit of wild factor with some other guys that have been brought in as well. But Paul Vaughan, I think, is a steady hand. He can find the try line. And I don't expect him to be too highly priced either. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the um, Bulldogs actually work out their forward pack. They've got a lot of options there now. Um, They've got Max King obviously coming into the side. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but could sneak away into the 17. I do do like Max King. There's, There's plenty of raps on him out of Melbourne. And uh, I like Max it's, King. it's good to see that he gets a move and, and, and definitely could fight his way in there. Um, you'd think it'd be Hetherington and Vaughan, though, off the top of my head. Um, just having a look, and I'm trying to piece the puzzle together because there's Corey Waddell as well. Um, he obviously played quite well last year. you got Jackson Topany, um, Stimson, Siamanafangai. Like, there's a lot of options there. So who starts? We probably will have to wait closer to the season start um, to get a gauge on that. Um Pangai, Vaughan, or RFM, I can definitely see one of those three players being in my starting side uh, for Supercoach next year. Now, you touched on TPJ and whether players are going to start at the Bulldogs or not. I don't think there's a doubt in the world that TP doesn't start for this side and plays close to 65, 70 minutes a game. The question is, where do they play him? Do they play him at lock or do they play him on the edge? What is his best position? Do you play him at prop? Yeah, I mean, he, he had some... He, the way Kevin Walters was using him at times last year was strange. He would play for 15, 20 minutes and come off and do three stints of that and play 60 minutes. But he would rack up scores. Like, he's an offloading machine. And it could go one of two ways for TBJ. Trent Barrett could say, yep, yeah, look, you have free roam, do whatever you want, and just 
pile on assists and he could average 80 points without a doubt in the world. He could also fall into a David Fafita mould and not really involve himself too much. And we know Fafita without the tries was a 35, 40 point scorer. So you can either go one of two ways with TPJ. He has a fantastic ceiling, but we know that, that he could go missing if, if not used properly. I'd love to see him play on the left edge outside Burton. It won't happen because he's a right preferred player, but can you imagine Burton feeding Pangai? That could be money. Um, oh, it'd, be, it'd, be a nightmare for think... it'd be a nightmare for defenders because Burton can easily go himself. Like uh, Burton's got a fantastic step. Uh, and can easily go himself, and, and it'd leave your, your A and B defenders in in a world of hurt. I think he'd have to play lock, looking at it, or maybe prop. I don't think he'll play on the edge. Um, you would think Josh Jackson and uh, Fatalamarana probably have those edge positions. Um, possibly even Waddell could come into that conversation for an edge role. So I think they'll probably use him in prop or or lock. If he was playing lock for 60, 65 plus minutes. I could definitely start that. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting with his price because he obviously had a great super coach year last year. His price might be cheap. Look, close to the to the start of the season, you and I will do bounce back candidates. I think RMF is a, a huge one from there. Mate, do you want to do you want to lead us off on on Matt Burton and your thoughts on on him for this Bron- uh, for this Bulldog side moving forward? Uh, so with Matt Burton, uh, he'll be highly priced. Um, and I think people are going to get a little bit stung because they're going to go, oh, look at what he did last year. Imagine if he's playing in the halves. You're not comparing apples to apples if you do that. Uh, he played in the centres last year and he was playing outside the two best halves in the competition or well, definitely one of the two best halves in the competition with Nathan Cleary. Then you had Luai. Outside of him, you had arguably the best winger in the competition. Uh, it's not going to be the same Paul at the assuming. Bulldogs. I'm assuming you mean Paul Momorowski. <laughs> well, he does. He has gone back to the Roosters, so maybe Momorowski, but no. Um, so I just think you're going to have to kind of bide your time. They've got an easy couple of games to start, and then they go through a horror patch. For me, I'm waiting until the end of that horror patch, which comes looking at it, I think it's round nine. Yep, so round nine, they then go into an easier patch right up until the second bye. That's the time period that I'd be looking at getting him into my side at a much discounted price. I definitely wouldn't be starting the season with him because he's probably going to cost you 700000 plus. Yeah, the people listening to this podcast in the middle of November are absolute freaks. They love their super coach, and, and I love that. And, and the guys that are listening to this aren't who I would call the casual players. But I, I would expect Burton's like over 15 20% ownership when super coach opens. I think a lot of people that don't play as serious as, as you and myself and the listeners, people that maybe just pick their team and forget about it, I think they're going to they're gonna fall over Burton because of what he did and exactly what you said. Like, oh, he he did that in the centres. What can he do with the halves? But you've got you've got Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary feeding your ball and, and they're the New South Wales halves. Like, I just, I worry about Burton. I think we can get him cheaper down the line. Interesting though, what do we reckon his position is going to be? Are we feeling centre wing half? Are we feeling half five eight the same as what he was last year? Yeah, I don't think he'll get the centre um, eligibility because I don't think there's going to be any plans for him to play centre. If he does, um, that would be lovely because um, later, later, particularly leading into that second bye, if he wasn't in the Origin squad, um, he'd be a very handy asset having a half playing in your centres. Um, we don't see that too often these days. Um, I think they'll he'll just get the 6-7 eligibility, um, dual half, 5 eight, because that's obviously where the Bulldogs intend to play him. Uh, the old... The old 
wise tale that if you play three or four games in a position the year prior, you get the dual eligibility is not right. It's incorrect. It comes down to the clubs um, coming out and saying where they could play in the following season. So that's why a guy like Capewell last year got the dual because they said there's a chance he could fill in at the centres. Therefore, they gave him the dual eligibility. It has nothing to do with them filling in the year prior in a position for more than three or four games. But you also get the couple of nightmares where Supercoach lists Dane Laurie as a uh, as a centre wing front row forward in 2019. That was that was nice, mate. The Sharks, I think they match the Bulldogs in terms of big acquisitions. They have two spots available in their top 30. The lesser known guys, they've got Beryl coming in. I'll be honest, I don't know anything about the kid. I'm going to have to watch some some trial footage to to get a real understanding. Lockie Miller, though, I know who he is. Uh, I've played rugby against this kid. He's a rugby sevens freak. He tore us up in a state carnival one year. Uh, this is probably four or five years ago. No, longer than that. Geez, probably six or seven years ago. He absolutely ripped us apart. Uh, and he's got all the talent in the world. Whether it translates to, rug, uh, to rugby league, I'm not too sure. He'll probably come in basement price, play a little bit of lower grades. Not too sure if we're going to see much of him in first grade when you've got the depth that the Sharks have. But they're big signings. Medicavalu is probably the lesser of the, of the lot. You and I had some tech, technical diff, def, technical difficulties beforehand, um, and we were, we were talking about Matty Cavallo, and you suggest he may slot into the centres uh, and fill in because there's just not a chance that he'll he'll crack onto Molotalo or Katoa's wing. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think um, Sione Katoa finished last season really, really well. Uh, obviously, he's a player that gets injured a lot, so whether or not they bought Cavallo as a depth signing, maybe. But I don't think they did. Um, I think there's a chance they want him to play right centre inside uh, Katoa um, or maybe even shift him to the left because he has played left before at the Roosters um, only a few times. So there is an option that he could move into the centres. Um, Ramian obviously holds one of those two centres um, and he prefers to be on the right. So it might be the case that you see Cavalli lining up left centre. Um for Cronulla, but he's a definite watch the preseason, watch the trials, see where they do play him. Um, I think he's too good to be a depth piece. I think he showed that last year at the Roosters when he was given his opportunities and obviously he ended up getting a lot of opportunities with Brett Morris's injury. Um, so definitely a, it's a wait and see. Um, I think there is an opportunity there that he does change position and become a center. Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, the Sharks coach, obviously assistant coach at the Roosters has gone and deliberately, um, taking Nicovalo. So they've obviously got plans for him. It'll be very interesting to see how they play him. That's yep, hundred percent. I'm I'm assuming that's what you're thinking is is that they haven't picked up just a just a filler. Like they they've, they've gone out and chased Nicovalo. The Roosters assistant coach now coaching the Sharks has gone out and, and picked picked him up. Yeah, I think they know that he's being underutilized at the Roosters. So I don't think the plan is to take him to the Sharks and underutilize him again. I think he's given see something in him as a player and has gone, I want that guy on my side. It's now just a matter of where he slots in that side. I don't I also, really see him displacing a winger. I also don't think Ikevalu would like if you're not leaving the Roosters as a as a rotation piece to go to the Sharks to be a rotation piece. Like I know where I'm staying. If I, if, if if I'm told I'm going to be mm. riding the pine, I, I say the Roosters. Yeah, exactly. Because there's every chance you know you make a grand final, someone gets injured, and suddenly you have got a premiership. Like I don't think the Sharks are going to win the premiership next year. I think they're a top six side. Whereas the Roosters, full strength Roosters, could win the comp next year. It's, it's very plausible. So I think you bang on the money there. Now, Dale Finucane, no surprise he is getting on in age, but he can still provide a lot to a club behind the scenes. Now, he dropped off last year of his average, dropped off in minutes, dropped off in production. But statistically, in years gone by, he averages anywhere from sort of 53 to 56 in around 55 to 60 minutes a game. 
there's a lot of forwards at the at the Cronulla Sharks. I'm not too sure if Anukin's going to be seeing big enough game time for for him to be all of a sudden super coach relevant. I think he's just a fantastic signing to have around the club. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I think he's a great bloke, a great human being. He does a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, as you said, I don't think he's really gone to that club to be a 65 minute man. Um, I think he's gone there for his experience um, to give a lot of depth to a very young forward pack because outside of Tolman, that pack is very young. I think he's just there to help your Rudolphs and your Teague Wiltons and these younger blokes. Um, So I think he's, again, he's a great signing for the club, but I don't really think he's going to be a huge super coach option. You mentioned Toby Rudolph, very meat and potatoes footballer. You know what you're going to get from him week in, week out. Played a bit of 13 last year. Not the ideal 13 moving forward for the modern NRL, but definitely can serve you a job in the front row. They get that respite at 13. I don't think Cam McInnes comes in and plays nine. I still think the Sharks value Jaden Braley, uh, sorry, Blake Braley very highly. Uh, I still think there's a fair bit for him to give. He he might come come um, come to the bench and McInnes might move into nine every now and then, but I would expect to see Cam McInnes start at 13. But I still think he maintains that dual eligibility at hooker and second row. I know that you're a huge fan of Cam McInnes, mate, so I'll let you uh, lead this one off. Yeah, um, there's no way that he loses his duel because I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think he starts the year at 13. I think when Braley needs a spell is when you'll see McInnes move in. And then after that, McInnes will either go and have a spell himself or he'll move back into the lock roll. So just going to come down to whether or not McInnes is a 65-minute player at the Sharks or if he becomes an 80-minute player like he was most of the time at the Dragons. Uh, I'm huge on him. Um, I'm expecting him to have a massive season. Um, some people might wait until he's got some fitness back in the legs. I think he did his injury so early in last season before he even played any NRL that he's going to be fit and firing and ready to go after a full preseason of training. So I don't have an issue starting with him. Um, price dependent, obviously, squad dependent after we know what we're dealing with. But my intention at the moment is to pick him in my side and probably I'm going to pick him at hooker. Yeah, he's. I think it's a six-month injury, an ACL, six, seven-month injury. He did it in February. Um, but he's back at training and training started a couple of days ago. He's going to get a full preseason. Not not a case of me not wanting to have him. It's just always major knee injuries. They start slow. But I don't think we've seen something this delayed. Like he's had such a, a prolonged period off to, to become fit. I think that may that may counter it. I want to see how he goes in the trials before I make a, a jump with him. Um, but I'm not too worried about Cam McInnes, actually. Like the more the more I think about it, the more that I'm probably going to come around to picking him round one, especially if uh, the next man that we talk about isn't isn't promoted to his side's top thirty uh, in the next side. But they've also got one more acquisition, one of the biggest offseason moves in Nico Hines. You and I, I'm pretty sure of the same opinion that. If he gets dual eligibility at fullback, halfback, you can't pick him at fullback. Like, he averaged one point less than Pappenhausen, so you would expect they start the season at a very similar price. And I don't think it's I don't think there's that it's even close between what Hines and Papp are going to produce this year. I think it's chalk and cheese. Like, Papp's going to be so far and away superior at fullback compared to Hines at seven. 
that you can't play him at fullback. But I think there is a case to answer if you're going to pick him at at uh, at halfback. And that's the case. If you go without Turbo, it's going to free up a fair bit of cash. If you decide to go two of the lesser fullbacks in Tedesco or Pap or Latrell or whoever, it's going to free up a lot of cash. If you don't go with Nathan Cleary as well, you're going to free up a fair bit of cash here for Nico Hines. It's the only way I see him see him in people's sides is at halfback. It can't be a fullback in my opinion. If he's dual half fullback and he plays fullback for the Sharks, that would be wonderful. Oh, that'd be that, that'd, will, that'd be a miracle. I will pick him as seven. Um, but no, I, he's not going to play fullback for the Sharks. He's going to play in the halves. It's just whether or not it's six or seven, but six or seven, it's just a number. It's just what side of the park he's going to predominantly play on. So um, I think you're going to be paying seven seven $750,000 for basically a slight unseen halfback. We've only really seen him play a game and a half for Melbourne. In a, um, in a much different Melbourne. system as well, a much different system. <clears throat> Yeah, which is what I was about to say. The Cronulla Sharks are not the Melbourne Storm. Um, you're not going to be able to just move position and then it's like nothing's changed, which is basically what happens at Melbourne when someone goes down. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops as a half because um, he's a very good fullback. But I don't think you could be spending, you know, three-quarter of a million to start the season on a halfback who's not named Nathan Cleary. I just don't see him displacing Will Kennedy as – as much as I think, no. as much as I think Nico Hines is a better footballer than Will Kennedy, he's earned that spot on merit. Like he, he was a shining light for the past two years. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just last year's outbreak. He was good the year before as well. And I think Craig Fitzgibbon has been pretty vocal about playing Nico Hines in the halves. And I think he will create a lot of space for for sides. But at fullback, you're finishing a lot more than what you are. And we know that in Supercoach, your finishing is rewarded way more than what your creative stats are. So for me, Nico Hines, if by some miracle, he starts at fullback and, and gets the halfback eligibility. Fantastic. Should be owned by 100% of people. But I just I just don't see it happening. Um, and I think he plays half, and I think he has a little bit of a regression. I still think he averages 65, but that's a 13-point down on what last year was, and that's a fair bit of, of coin coming off. And if the Sharks gel later in the year, he could definitely be one to have for the run home. Mate, we, we mentioned Cam McKinnis filling in at hooker. Now, the Titans have two spots open in their top 30. But the key point here, Aaron Booth is not in the top 30, uh, which a lot of people pin their hopes on. We think he gets upgraded, don't we? Yeah, I think he does. Um, They've probably left those two spots open because ideally they want Brendan Smith to take one of those spots. So they're obviously going to need some some type of depth. But if that doesn't come around and Smith ends up, say, staying with the Storm for this year and then going to the Dolphins next year or, you know, he links with the Roosters, the Warriors, whoever's chasing him. Different story. Um, but if he doesn't, Booth will get that spot. See, I think a lot of people are sweating that because regardless of what happens, I think people will be starting with the Titans 9. It's just whether it's Booth or whether it's Smith in their, in their Supercoach <laughs> sides. Um, as a Roosters fan, you know all about you know all about Isaac Leo. Uh, he put up some good scores last year when he was starting, when he got some good minutes. But I'm just not too sure what the rotation is going to look like for this Titans side. He could be one of these guys that's similar to a Jolliffe um, that just plays 40 minutes off the bench but just puts up sort of mid-40s, 50s and probably isn't ideal for your Supercoach Classic sides. For a draft, he could be a great late-round late pickup. Um, but for Classic, he'll probably be 400,000, 450. It's just, it's just too much for me. Yeah, I don't mind it in draft, actually, in the later rounds, absolutely. He's just your meat and potatoes bloke. He's the guy that's not really going to let you down. He's going to come in there and give 120% for however long you're playing for. If you need someone to – someone gets injured and you need to throw him in the starting lineup, you know he's going to do just as good a job as they are. He's not a superstar, 
um, but he's a very talented, consistent player. And he's probably a really good buy for the Titans because they've typically had a lot of injuries in their in their team. Um, if you needed a guy like Leo to step up, he's going to do that job for them and you're not going to lose a whole lot. Now, the other two acquisitions they've made, I think, are good. They're good depth signings. Not going to have too much impact on the the, 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 the top 13 or our super coach sides. Paul Turner, bit of a half, bit of a 5'8", bit of a hooker from the Warriors. I think he's yet to sort of nail down a role in a side. Uh, had that chance last year. I think he was competing with Sean O'Sullivan when Chanel Harris-Tavita went down with that foot injury and it was edged out to Sean O'Sullivan. And Will Smith, look, when he played the game for Parramatta, he was fantastic, but you think they're all in on this Campbell, Brimson, Sexton sort of 6-7-1 combination. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Smith or Turner will end up playing in the 14 role at best. And they're probably playing against each other for that spot. I don't think there's a role for both of them at all. Um, it's probably just picking up Mitch Rain's old spot. That's what they're being signed for. Whoever plays the best uh, in the trials probably wins the role. Now, Manly have three spots open for next year, but they've only made the one acquisition. And I really like this acquisition, not for Supercoach, just for general footy, which is Ethan Bullymore, who had glimpses of brilliance at the Broncos. And I really like this depth signing. Uh, they've lost Jack Wasecki. They've lost Moses Suley. Ethan Bullymore is not going to play in the centers, but just more numbers that they're losing. And they've they've revitalized it with Ethan Bullymore. I think it'd be great for the depth, just not SE relevant, unfortunately. Yeah, mainly, mainly have a habit of getting these guys that come through and they're not really anything, and then they end up being something for super coach purposes. They, they've done it with Waddle. Um, they did it with uh, the Edgeback Rower. I forget his name. I'll look at Latu or whatever his name was. Um, so who knows? Maybe who, who maybe knows? he does become something. Because he is a talented player. I have seen a little bit of him at the Broncos. Um, so he's he's probably a good signing for them. But yeah, in terms of roster movements, not a whole lot has happened at Manly. And the way they played last year, maybe they didn't need to do a whole lot. They just need more of the same. Definitely, definitely. Or Tom Turbo on the park. <laughs> just just building towards that, that, that big push. The Storm, they have zero spots left. They look like they're pretty filled out. And they've made uh, no big name signings, but just typical Melbourne Storm signings picking up players that clubs don't want, and sure as shit, they'll turn into world beaters, and one of them is going to be Xavier Coates. I have no doubt about it. He'll be filling in on Josh Adokar's wing, and he'll pro- probably be one of the highest-owned players coming into the season, I would imagine. I think he's taken Bernabalu's wing. Bernabalu has he? Um, I think he's, yeah, because he's a right-winger, yeah, so you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna probably fill in. Lemu Lemu as well. Um, George Jennings, I think, is still there from memory. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a couple. There's uh, Dean Aramea as well. So there is a, a few spots up for grabs, but either or, I don't think it matters where he, he's going to be underutilised at the Broncos. And I think Craig Bellamy is just going to do what Craig Bellamy does. 30 minute was superstar. Um, yeah, at the right price, I really like him to start the season. He's definitely one of those blokes I've got penciled down to check their price as soon as we get released, um, the prices for next year. Um yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Melbourne's done a Melbourne. They've picked up a few players here and there that, you know, maybe haven't lived to, up to their potential or or you don't really know much about. And we'll see what happens um, with that. Um, interested to see Nick Arima. Um, obviously, he he bummed out big time when he went to the Roosters. Jade, um, not Cody Freddie for Jade, everyone listening. Yep, Jaden Nikarima. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Roosters actually got the spoon the year that um, Nikarima played for him, and then he got dropped uh, entirely the next season from their roster. So 
we haven't really seen anything from him since. So it'd be interesting to see if Bellamy can get anything out of him because um, the Roosters, they, they got a good system and they couldn't. I, um, I did get a lot of messages from people who are mad in love with their QRL uh, who said he was killing it last year up in Queensland. So, look, he, he's, okay. a ta- he's a talent and, and just probably didn't live up to it early on. But if there's a side, if your back's up against the wall as a, as a young footy player and you need to you need to find that extra gear, there's not many better sides to go to than Melbourne to find that. And, and hopefully for Jaden's sake that... Yeah, it all works out for him because there is talent there. No, no two ways about it. Absolutely. Where does Nick Meaney fill in? Uh, that Hines, Where do we see him that, go? That, that Hines role. He'll wear the 17 or the 14, whatever you want to put him in. Uh, I think he what can... What about the wing? Could do. Could do. He's a big, tall body. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. You'd have Coates and Coates and Meaney on the wing. But if you're, if you're Aramea, you've got to feel hard done by... I think I think he played well, but mm. I, think the, I think the thing with Meaney is he can play fullback, he can play centre, he can play six, he can play wing... Um, I think Bellamy just likes to have that rotation exactly similar to Hines, but it, it would not shock me if he played on the wing. And if he does, I, um, if he does, I, I, could, thinking, I could line up with two Melbourne wingers come round one. You've got the possibility that you're going to lose Brendan Smith, right? It mm-hmm. seems like that's what's going to happen, whether it's this year or next year. So there you're losing a real dual function body there. Um, you've got Cooper Johns that you probably want to start bringing through the ranks because it's heavily rumoured that Jerome Hughes is on the market to go to the Dolphins uh, the season after next. There's talk Does about Cam, start looking. Let's talk about Cam Munster as well, as well, heading off at the end of his contract as well. So and he's got his behaviour issues, so there is a chance that Melbourne might not fight that as much as they would have previously. So I reckon there's a lot that's got to play out this year in Melbourne, and you'll start to see a skeleton of what they maybe look for in the future because I think they're going to start losing some bodies. And for the first time, well, pretty much in the Melbourne Storm's existence, they might have a period where they actually need to rebuild. Look, we've been, we've been saying that since 1999, and they still keep going. Um, but yeah, look, who knows? There's, there's definitely moving pieces. That Jerome Hughes news has come out uh, earlier today. We are recording on the 17th of November. Um, that dropped this morning, which is it's huge. Uh, another, another signing that I don't know anything about, William Warbrick. I've, I can't comment. On, unfortunately, uh, another one to note here: Nelson Asifa Solomona, another one of these guys that is pretty vocal about not being vaccinated. So that might open up a spot for for someone like a Josh King who has moved to to the, to the storm as well. So uh, one to to watch out for. And the last side that we'll talk about today before we finish up for part one of the new recruits, the Knights. Mitchell Pierce has left the building. A lot of people are talking about a potential Luke Brooks move. But people are forgetting that Adam Clune has moved to the uh, to the Knights. Do we see a a Clifford Clune partnership in the halves? No, I see. Uh, I see Drinkwater getting poached by Newcastle I've, I've heard this. before I, the season I don't, starts. I don't like it. It just makes sense to me. Like we were talking, I remember the back end of last year, you and I were discussing the Cowboys in depth on one of the podcasts and we were just saying there's too many pieces and you've spent too much money on certain of those pieces. So who's the missing man? Who's the one that's going to be kind of shafted? And it looks like it might be drink water. And if it is going to be drink water, why not go to Newcastle? And, and we'll touch on the Cowboys in part two. That's going to, that's going to mean a, a, a Deedon and Townsend Haas combination. I could not think of anything worse. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that tomorrow when we record the next one. But yeah, like there's, a, there, I still think there's a lot of movement that's going to happen. So we'll be interesting to see what Newcastle do now that they are missing a halfback. You know, Phoenix Crossland's been spoken about for feels like forever, but he's barely played any NRL. And, when, and every and, time and when he has played, 
I don't want to play. He hasn't a, done much. Yeah, I don't, don't want to play a bash. But when, when when he has been given the opportunity, it just feels like he hasn't taken it with two hands. And and the Knights side without Mitchell Pierce struggles. Like we all know that. And and letting Pierce go, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big job to fill it. I, I like Mitchell Pierce a lot for his game management. But Adam Clune, I think, has snuck under the radar. He does a job at, at the at the Dragons. But yeah, I mean, Adam O'Brien has got a lot of young pieces there. He's going to have to fill the void. Uh, obviously, no better coach than Andrew Johns to be your halves consultant to try and work that out. So we've still got a, a, a bit of time for this offseason move to happen. We could see um, Scott Drinkwater move over and, and a Clifford-Drinkwater halves combination. Not terrible. Uh, it's just it's not, it's not Mitchell Pearce, though. And I'm, I'm very high on Mitchell Pearce. I, I rate him highly as a footballer. I rate him highly as a game manager. One more that is an interesting point that I want to talk about. Now, Brad, uh, Bradman Best, left-sided centre, struggles to stay on the park with injury. Dane Gagai, left-sided centre. And, uh, yeah, just a phenom this year. Had a career year, uh, averaged 12 points more than what he did last year. So he had a, a great year. I just don't see him being as relevant as what he was last year. But more importantly, I want to know where he lines up um, in this in this side. Uh, he'll line up at right center. Um, he might move to left center when Bradman Best, in, you know, gets injured because that's what Bradman Best does. But Gagai used to play on the right, so I think it just makes sense that you would just shift him um, over to the right. He's played plenty of Origin on the right side as well. So uh, Gagai moves right, and it's Best's left center role. Um, but can Best finally get his body right? That's the question. And then we got like a, a lot of a lot of flow-ons from the wingers. You got Stafford Tor. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the guys listen to this podcast. Now I'm a huge fan of Dominic Young as well. So definitely a young core being built at the Knights. I think they're probably a couple of years away from really contending. I want to see how Ponga goes without Pierce because it looked like Ponga was playing more in that right side. Ponga's been very open about wanting to play both sides. He's he's dominant on the left uh, and on the right not so much. And we saw it towards the end of last year. But if he can develop and be that other ball player that, that they're going to lack without Pierce, then who knows what the Knights can be, but I still think they're probably a couple of years away from making it a big, deep run. I would hope that Adam O'Brien has told Jake Clifford that he needs to involve Ponga more in the play. Painful, painful to watch last year. He just cut him out. As soon as he came along, he just killed Ponga. He, all of a sudden, he wasn't getting those balls out the back. Clifford would kick or he'd go himself or he'd kind of put Ponga in the wrong position where he ended up having to throw it to Pierce. It was just awful. Um, but it looks like Joey's um, back involved with them. Um, Gidley's involved there too. So they're obviously getting the legends involved with the club again um, and having Andrew Johns, you know, the best sevens pretty much to ever wear the game. To wear the game, to, to, to wear, wear it game. in the game, it certainly, it certainly can't hurt them. Um, and I hope, I hope they're working on their combos so that they stop killing their best player. Yeah, if if you've got a superstar fullback like Callum Ponga, use him to your advantage rather than um, have him as a, as a secondary piece. But mate, that's going to wrap it up. The first eight sides for the new recruits all done. We will jump back on the mic in a couple of days, and we'll 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 do part two, and we'll get it out to you next week. But yeah, I think there's there's plenty to to move and and in this back half of the, of the of the eight there's definitely some some other teams here that have had some big acquisitions so hopefully you guys have enjoyed it uh, we are still counting down until teamless Tuesday I think it's about 115 days definitely don't have it marked <laughs> definitely don't have it marked on the calendar but uh, broodmate I thank you very much for coming on once again and uh, yeah we'll be back with part two next week Eddie Jeff and our guys 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 